Welcome to Free Chapel Spartanburg with Pastor Javon Ruff. Let's join the service in progress. Let's open up the Word of God this morning. I want to go back real quickly. I want to go back to the um, book of Psalms, Psalms uh, 62, Psalm 62, and then we're going to pick up back um, in Isaiah chapter um, 40, Isaiah chapter, uh, we'll go to Isaiah chapter 40, beginning at verse 28. And while you're turning there, they'll put the text up on the screen. Um, I just want to, for those of you that may have not been here with us, but over the last several weeks, you know, I began several weeks ago when I was at our Gainesville campus talking about trusting God. And then the next week, Pastor Franklin came and he talked about praying or praying to God. We heard that message. And last week I talked about, you know, entrusting God, you know, praying to God, but also we have to learn how to wait on God. And I began teaching on the importance and the power of waiting on God. And the title that I gave it last week was, It's Worth the Wait. I say, it's worth the wait. Now somebody say, he's worth the wait. And waiting time is not wasted time when it comes to the believer. I'm a firm believer that the enemy does his best to try to capitalize on a neg- in a negative way on what seemingly is a divine delay. He does his best in periods of waiting to try to confuse us, to try to get us discouraged, to try to get us, watch this, to distrust in the faithfulness of God. We just sang, we just sang a song that, that, that we haven't been forsaken. You've never forsaken me. But the enemy's job It's to try to get you to feel and think that God has abandoned you. God has forgotten about you. God has forsaken you. But I want to tell you that we serve a faithful God. And the Bible said faithfulness is not just what God does, but faithfulness is who God is. And the scripture says faithful is he who promised for he shall fulfill it. So when the devil tries to talk to you about being forsaken, you need to remind him about the faithfulness of your God. But he'll want you to try to distrust God and doubt the promises and the plan and the purpose of God on your life. He wants to try to get you to think that, that God is withholding something from you. And here's one. He definitely wants to get you to the place and start suggesting that now that God is not seemingly working on your behalf, he's not on your timetable, he's not doing it when you think he should do it and how, that now you have to help him. And starts tempting you to step out of his will to begin to take matters in your own hand. And to try to manipulate situations to get what you want. That is the enemy's desire. But I want to encourage you this morning as we finish this part two of this this little teaching. That it's worth the wait. And I promise you that waiting time is not wasted time. And your God is doing more for you and more in you in this time of waiting than you could think, dream, or imagine. And so as we look back at our text in Psalm 62, it says this. Listen to what it says, and I'm going to move forward. It says in Psalm 62, verse 1, it says, Truly my soul waits silently for God. For him comes my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense, and I shall not be greatly moved. Verse 5 says this, my soul waits silently for God alone, for my expectation is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. Verse 8 said, trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. That was our base text that we started with. And last week, I ended in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28. And we began to talk about waiting on God. Isaiah 48, verse, Isaiah 40, verse 28 says this. I'm going to go here and, and, and then I'm going to start teaching for you. Have you not known, have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither is faint nor weary, he is under, his understanding is unsearchable. Notice that. He operates on a whole nother level of thinking and wisdom. He gives power to the weak and those who have no might, he, incre- he, he increases the strength. 
Even the youth shall be faint and weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Somebody say amen. Thank you so much. And last week, we focused on that part of the text that said they shall mount up on wings like eagles. How many of you remember that last week? But we understood a key word in that phrase was renew their strength. To renew means to make again, to put back again. Something that once was had now been taken away. But we understood that the renew like eagles meant that a, it represented an eagle that had gone through its molting process. And for a season, it looks like it had lost everything. For a season, the wings are busted. The beak is busted. It's not flying. It's walking. Its head is down and not up. It cannot support its own self. It's dependent upon the, 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 the other eagles and its surrounding to sustain it. And seemingly, if you were to just look on that eagle during that time, it looks like it's over. It looks like it's done. It looks like it's finished. But actually, it is in a time of renewal that God is actually working up and working in a new strength that that eagle had never known before. And sometimes God allows us to go through these spiritual molting process where it looks like we're losing everything in the natural but in reality, we're gaining things in the spirit. But when the scripture says, watch this, it says, wait upon the Lord and he will renew your strength. Wait upon the Lord. What's interesting about that word wait, the Hebrew word for the word wait is actually kava, Q-A-V-A-H, kava. It's the literal meaning of this word. Listen, it means to bind together like a cord. The twisting or winding of a strand of a cord or rope to bind together like a cord. And it says it does not mean to bind or surround with a cord. Instead, it means the process of making a rope or a cord. Okay, it may not make sense, but I'm going to show it to you. This is my toy this morning, this little doggy rope thing. I don't have a dog yet. My kids want one, but we don't have one yet because they, I need to wait on the Lord to mature them to be responsible because <laughs> if not, it'll be on me. <laughs> Somebody say amen if you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, me too. But, but, but it says when we're waiting, it says to bind together with a cord. Now, it doesn't mean to bind or, or pull a bundle together as surround with a cord. The picture that is painted is what happens during a waiting period. Understand that this rope is actually made up of these strands. This is about three, four strands. But you don't just get this. You have to start with this. Everybody wants this. See, this looks pretty. It's colorful. It's nice to the eye. Got a little design. It's a, guess what? There's a little dog or big dog somewhere waiting on this. But yet what the scripture is teaching us when it says kava, it means that you have to understand that every rope starts with a strand. And so in the waiting time, what God does in you and me is he's taking our strands and turning them to strength. Because, oh Lord, you may look like this, but this is what God's plan and purpose for your life is. But everybody wants to jump to this, but nobody wants to go through this. Because this, guess what? These, they have to be twisted together. They have to be bound together. They have to be rubbed together and placed together. And I'm sure at some point, if they have mouths, it would probably be a little uncomfortable. But isn't it funny 
that the same rope or same tie that I'm sure that can lift a certain amount of weight. If you tried to lift the same weight with the strand, it couldn't happen. The strength of the rope is in the strands. And the question is, how many strands do you have? And what God does, come on, because see the strands as you're waiting is the word of God. Come on, the scripture said, let me just go ahead and get in Ecclesiastes because it says a threefold cord is hard to be broken. Well, there's a threefold cord called God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit who are three in one intertwined with each other and therefore out of that becomes great power. And what happens in the waiting period, God starts weaving our lives together in ways and sometimes it feels like friction. Sometimes it feels like pressure. Sometimes, matter of fact, he brings other people in your life to help weave and help and sometimes it's negative and positive but the whole purpose is to get you from a place of weakness to strength and guess what it takes time you don't get here overnight in other words there's a strength that is waiting you and waiting me that we currently don't have because the scripture said this that at some point that I don't care how young you are he said and I don't care how strong a lion is natural strength will always be limited and come to an end at some point our physicality is not going to do the job at some point our ability is not going to be able to carry it out we're going to need something that is beyond our Sales, not horsepower, not manpower, but supernatural power that we have available. Come on, somebody, through the Spirit of God. Amen. And so while he's waiting, we're waiting. He's weaving. Understand, waiting, as I said last week, waiting is a source of our stability. And it's a source of our strength that God acknowledges that God is our source of stability and the source of our strength. Number two, if you continue to take notes, waiting, watch this, acknowledges God's way is the best way. Mm. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding, but in all of your ways, not some of them, not one of them, not a few of them, but all in the Greek means all, all of your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. That word acknowledge, it doesn't mean just ask, but it means remain in close proximity or contact with it means an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. A relationship that acknowledges God in all of its ways. Why is that important? God cares about the way of your marriage. God cares about the way of your family. God cares about the way of your future, the way of your finances, the way of your career. He cares about your ways. But what he did say is you have to acknowledge me and all of your ways and I will direct your path. Because here's the reality. He said in Isaiah, my ways are not your ways. My ways are higher than your ways. And in reality, here's, here's a truth bomb for you. God's ways is always the right way. God's way is the perfect way. Oh, I'm going to give you scripture just because you're looking at me. 2 Samuel 22, 31. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. He is a shield to all who trust in him. In other words, what God is saying is my way is the best way. The way I, I'll do it, the way I'll meet the need, the way that I carry out, it will be the best way. Why is that important? Because Proverbs, I'm going to teach this morning, the proverb says this in Proverbs 16 too, all the ways of a man seem pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs his spirit or examine his motives. Proverbs 16, 25 that says, there is a way that seems right to man, but the end is is the way of death. See, there's our way and our will, which equals our preferences. 
But then there's God's way, God's will, which equals his purposes and his promises. And there come times that we have to understand that our way is not the best way. And we have to submit our ways to the ways of God. Notice what he said. You don't know everything. There is a way that will seem right to you. There's a way that you think is per this is the perfect way. And God says, nope, wouldn't do it that way. Ooh, I'm going to preach now. I'm going to do it that way. Because see, what we have to understand as believers and followers of Christ, our ways are different from the world's ways. The way we should live, the way that we should conduct ourselves, the way we should, oh, come on, the way we talk, the way we walk, what we look at, where we go, who we are with. There is a way that we should conduct our, a matter of fact, let me just give you scripture in Acts chapter 9. Remember that before you, they called, we were called Christians, they were called people of the way. I'm not trying to confuse anybody theologically, but, but how many times do you see the word Christian in the Bible? Never thought about that heavy. King James, twice. Go check me out. Somebody's Googling right now. Wait till after service. <laughs> Siri, how many times? No. Listen, I'm not trying to stir, stir the pot, but what I'm saying most of the time that you see the followers of Christ, they were called followers of Christ or they were called believers. And before they were called Christians, they were called the people of the way. You know why? The people during that time in society and culture, watch this. They knew that they were followers of Christ by the way they lived their lives, not about what they said with their lips. In other words, they could be identified. It was obvious to an individual that something was different about those people. Not that they were perfect. Not that they didn't make mistakes. Not that they didn't go through things like everybody else did. But the way they, oh, the way they acted and lived was different. And I'm here to tell you that the Bible has not changed. That there is a way that we should live if we call ourselves followers of Christ. There's a way we should treat our wives if I'm a man of God and a follower of Christ. There's a way that I should treat my husband and honor and respect if I'm a follower of Christ. There's a way we raise our children. There's a way I can't get no amens in here, but that's all right. That just lets me know I'm on the right way. Because, come on, we don't want to hear this type of teaching no more in the church. We want to say we can live any way we want to and still go to heaven. We can live like hell and still go to heaven. That is not what the scripture teaches. And I'm ta talking about it's about behavior modification. But what I am telling you, that when Jesus Christ is the Lord of your life, there is a way that you should live. And the Bible is very clear. I don't... Okay. Holiness is still his way. Righteousness is still his way. Character is still his way. Integrity is still his way. Humility is still his way. Meekness is still his way. Love is still his way. Compassion is still his way. Unity is still his way. Come on, somebody. Grace is still his way. Forgiveness is still his way. And while I'm here, there is no other way to get to heaven except through Jesus. Jesus Christ, when he said, I'm the way, look at me and see how the way I treat people. Look at me, how I treat people when they treat me wrong. Look at me, how I treat people when they do me bad. I am the way. I am your pattern. I am your example. I am your model. His way is the best way. His way supersedes our way. See, can I just say this? Sometimes we insist on having our way. God, if you insist, God will allow you to get what you want and then show you how much you don't want what you got. Put up Psalms 106 for me. If and I'm going to read this. I'm going to get out of your business. Psalms 106. You got that for me, or I can read it. Psalms 106. Wait on the Lord. Psalms 106. All right. 
Psalms 106, it says this. It's actually, it's, 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 there it is. No, Psalms 106. Remember, I gave you 13 through 15, verse 13. I can get it. I want you to see it. Or at least turn to it. If you got your Bibles, you can turn to it. All right, they don't have it. Here, let me turn. I put it in my notes, but I put the reference. Okay, here we go. This is this this is a, a re, uh, uh, their um, uh, recapturing the moment of the children of Israel coming out of Egypt after he delivered them out of Egypt after he brought them out. And then here's what it says. Notice what the, it says. Once I brought you out, I performed miracles. I kept you. I provided for you. He said I did all those things. Watch this. And then it says they soon forgot his works. Listen at this, and would not wait for his counsel. They were seized with craving in the wilderness and tested God in the desert. He gave them what they asked for, but sent a wasting disease among them. Next verse. Can I give you the next verse? No, that's it. In Psalm 78, it goes into a little bit more detail. God was providing manna, but they wanted meat. God was providing spiritual. They wanted flesh. They insisted, meat, 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 flesh, flesh, flesh. I want flesh more than I want spirit. And God said, okay, you insist on having your way. You insist on doing it even when I told you not to do it. You insist on still going there even when I warned you through other people not to go there. You insist on being in that relationship after I've dealt with you, after other people have dealt with you, after your parents have dealt with you, and you're still doing it anyway. You won't heed to counsel. You won't wait. And the Bible said that when the flesh hit their mouth, he sent leanness to their soul. Many of them died through judgment. God said, I'll give you what you want. And then you'll realize you don't want what you got. Because you won't wait on me. But if you keep reading, and it says, when they repented, God is compassionate. God is forgiven. But wonder what trouble, what hardship, what struggles, what adversities I could I have avoided had I just waited on the counsel of the Lord. I need to get a big amen right there, whether you like it or not. <laughs> His ways are not always familiar. Joshua chapter 3 said this. He said, when you see the Ark of the Covenant moving, he said, I want you to get after it and follow it, but keep space between it. He said, because you have not been this way before. Waiting on God, watch this, acknowledge His way is the best way. But let me tell you something, when you wait on God, his ways are not always familiar. In other words, let me put it like this, faith, your faith growth will be stunted if you always remain in the place of familiarity. What God was telling Joshua, you've been used to a way of doing things. You've been used to being a great commander and a great uh, uh, leader of an army. You've been kicking butt and taking names. He said, but I'm about to lead you in a way that's not going to require you to use military power. It's going to, oh God, going to be a demonstration of my divine power. And I need you to not be so stuck in your way that you miss the way that I'm about to do. Because understanding that his promised land was on the other side of his willingness, watch this, to acknowledge that God God just may not do it this way. And that was huge to Joshua. Because I, as I thought about it, the scripture said, when God told Joshua, as I was with Moses, so shall I be with you. Joshua could have easily thought, just as God, watch this, did for Moses in the way that he did it, he'll do it exactly the way he did for me. Because both men faced two major bodies of water. One the Red Sea, one the Jordan. And think if Joshua didn't remain in a place of humility and acknowledging God, he would have got, to, oh Lord, he would have got to the Jordan and stretched out a staff because he said, well, this is the way he did it with God, with Moses. He's going to do it this way again. 
But the Lord said, no. With one generation, he used a man to stretch. But another generation, he used a man to step. And we got to stay in a place in God and acknowledge him that we're not stretching when we should be stepping. Oh, my God. Moses, we're not striking when we should be speaking. Because just because God did it that way then, it doesn't mean that he's going to do it that way now. I have to trust, come on, that he might take me in a path that does, come on, that is not familiar. I'm going to keep teaching. Sometimes his ways are not familiar, but let me give you another one. His ways may appear foolish. Just foolish and crazy. There was a man that was two buddies walking through the woods one time, and it was cold. Nice crisp morning like the one this morning. Thank God for that fall feeling this morning. Anybody agree with me on that? Praise God. That was good. But it said they had been walking, and one of the dude's lips got chapped real bad. And he said, man, it's cold. We're out here in these woods. My lips are chapped real bad. He said, you got any suggestions for me? He said, to get rid of this? He said, yeah. He said, go right over there and grab some of that horse manure. And he said, put it on your lips. Number one, he said, and that'll take care of the chapping. And he said, number two, I bet you won't lick those lips no more. That's just foolish. That's just foolish. But anyway, <laughs> but listen to me. I want to tell you sometimes God's ways, <laughs> listen to me, may appear to be foolish. It was foolish to Naaman who had leprosy to tell him to go dip in dirty water to become clean. It was foolish, come on somebody, for, 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 for Gideon to think that I come from a, a mother who was a prostitute and a daddy who was an idol worship that I can be used to do something great from God. I put it like this, it was foolish to think that a, just a rod in the hand of a man could take down a whole Egyptian army. It was foolish that you can use, come on, a donkey to talk to somebody and not just use the donkey's mouth, then take his jawbone and slay a whole army. My God, it's foolish to think that God can use a woman who was selling herself to everybody, prostituting the whole city, but have one encounter with God at a well and then take that same woman who, oh my God, who was selling out to every man, get sold out to one man and bring a whole city to Jesus. That seems foolish, but there are times where God will ask you and me and require us to do things that's not going to make sense to your mother, make sense to your father, make sense to your friends, make sense to the people around you, but it makes sense to God. And we have to choose, am I going to obey God or obey man? Let me, let me make this personal. I remember looking for a job, had lost a job and and it was a very tough time. It was a crazy time. Matter of fact, I remember having to sit at a gas station and use, I think I've told this story one time, and I had change in the ashtray of my car. And I sat at a payphone. Our young people's like, payphone? What is that? No, not a cell phone. It was at a payphone at a gas station on the corner. I don't know if they still got those or not. I don't know. But a payphone. And I was calling, looking for a job. I was calling around places. They even had the phone books at the bottom of the thing. And I remember I went to Shanna's cousin's house because she had internet. Dial up, AOL. You know, yeah, that's, I'm kind of dating myself. None of this fast speed stuff. And I remember looking for jobs. And I watched this. I had to print out MapQuest. Anybody remember MapQuest? Oh, come on, somebody. Ain't none of this. <laughs> Siri, give me directions to Google. No, 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 no. Map Quest. And you had to read it. And I'm from the time you just asked somebody at the gas station. Come on, anybody remember that? Hey, do you know where this is? But anyway, I had to print out all. I print out these Map Quests to these different places. I remember going to church that Wednesday night. And the altar crying out to God, saying, Lord, I need a job. And to be honest, I need a place to stay because my girlfriend at the time has moved back home and given me her apartment so I'm not homeless. I ain't going to go into that. But I know you're faithful. I didn't give my life for you to nothing. You didn't deliver me and set me free to leave me right here. And I don't understand all of this. And it doesn't make sense to me. It's kind of foolish 
to be honest. I remember a man by the name of Chris Atkins. He was an elder. He's a man still in my life to this day. He came down and he stood over me and I looked up with tears in my eyes. And he said, what's wrong with you, young man? I said, I need a job. I can't find one. I got a degree. I did this, that. And all I keep getting is nose, nose, nose. He said, stand up. And I stood up and he looked at me. He was, a, he, was a, he, he was, before he came to Free Chapel, he was an old Church of God and Christ elder. He had a strong voice. And he said, listen to me, young man. That's how he talked. He said, this is what you're going to do. Next week for the entire week, Monday through Friday. That's how he talked. He said, you're going to go looking for a job like you're working a job. And he said, at lunchtime from 12 to 1, you're going to fast. And read your Bible for one hour. He said at the end of the week. Next Friday to be exact. You will have more than one job. And you're going to have to pray to ask God. Which one to take. He said. He said alright. That's how I talk. Shannon knows how I'm talking. He said alright. A big white teeth. Alright. And I said. And he said good. Now wait. And watch what God's about to do. He just walked off. I would have loved to have told you I start jumping and shouting. No, I was confused. I ain't been saved that long. This man talk go looking for a job like I'm working one. What does that even mean? Not only I've left out a detail. He said, matter of fact, you need to go buy some applications and fill them out ahead of time and put them with your resume. So when they ask you, you said, I already got my application. That's, what he, that's the detail he told me. I did it. I, what else, at that point, what else I got to lose? I mean, I ain't got no job. But I thought it was the dumbest thing I ever heard in my life. And I did it every day. And I'm thinking two by Tuesday, oh, the heavens were going to open and I'm boom. Uh-uh. None of that happened. On that Friday, I'm going to cut straight to the service. I mean, to the end of this story. On that Friday at lunchtime, I was reading that Bible and I got frustrated. And I shut it. And I said, I'm sick of this. This mess don't work. This man got me out here looking like a fool. Everybody told me no everywhere I went. And what's funny, about a few months ago, Shanna found the folder in some of our files. I have it in my office. And it had no, 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 no. All these no's on it. But I want to tell you on that next Friday, the place that I gave up and closed the Bible, I went up the street to turn around in a parking lot and to go back to the apartment and just, I don't know what I was going to do. It was in that parking lot that I turned around that I heard a sound that was familiar to my ear. Because I do tool and die work and machining and CNC programming. That's my background. And I heard a machine. I heard a sound. And I said, I know that sound. I went and snuck in the back dock of this building. Didn't know what I was doing. And I saw those machines. I said, oh, God Almighty. I said, this is a machine shop. I went around to the side and I talked to an administrator. And I said, what is this place? And she said this. She said, well, it was one of our, our uh, what do you call them, contractors or vendors. But we're taking it back in house. And she said, who? I said, who is we? She said, General Electric, GE. And I said, well, well are you guys hiring? She said, well, we kind of are, but you have to be a specialized worker. And I said, what kind? We're looking for CNC programmers and tool and die makers. I said, are you kidding me? I said, stay right there. I've already got your application filled out and a resume for it. Are y'all laughing? I ran to the car. I come back and I said, here, all the information is here. She looked at me and she said, you know what? I'm not supposed to do this. She said, but I'm supposed to send you through another step. But I'm just going to sign you to show up on the day of testing. And she said, and, when you, and if you pass that test, then you'll get hired for this job. I'll tell you what happened. Because I didn't even have a return phone call place to call. My wife is my witness. I had the people call Shanna's mother, her mom. Her house. That's the only number I could give them. You can't call the payphone back. Went to the payphone and I called and checked. 
And at that cat time, I called her Miss Brown. She wasn't mama then. Has anybody called? And she said, you know what? She calls me Vonnie. She's the only one who can call me that too. Let me just. She goes, Vonnie. She goes, you know what? You had about four different calls today. And she said three of them left a message and said they'd like to offer you a position. Wait a minute. Then it dawned on me. That man of God told me to watch and wait and see what God will do. And it seemed foolish running around Gwinnett County in Georgia from company to company being told no after no after no after no. It was crazy to me. But only when I obeyed when it seemed foolish and waited on God that I had to do exactly what that meant. I had to pray about which job to take. And needless to say, I took the job at GE. I passed the test. I had the second highest on the test. Not only did I get hired, I got promoted three times in the first year and a half and made more money than I ever made in my entire life as a young kid out of school. Why? Because I was willing to wait on God and take unfamiliar and foolish instructions. I'm not saying that's going to happen for you. I'm giving you an example of what it means that sometimes it may not make sense with God. But his ways are, his, are the best way. His ways seem unfair sometimes. His ways seem foolish sometimes. And his ways can seem crazy. But this next point I want to give you is this right here. Waiting on God is acknowledges, acknowledges his sovereignty in regards to his timing. The Bible said everything is beautiful in his timing. Ecclesiastes to, says to every season, every season, everything has a season and it's time. Are you following me? And it will not happen before it's time. The Bible used this, this terminology in Galatians 4, 4. It says, in the fullness of time. The fullness of time, the Bible said, uh, had come and God sent forth his son born of a woman. It was the fullness of time. In Genesis 18 and 19, it says the appointed time, the scripture said. God told Abram and Sarah, at the appointed time, you're going to give birth to a son. But that's where we get it messed up is when it comes to time. I had them to cut this apple because this is where some of you are right now. And in these two slices, there were four seeds. You can't see them. They all came out of the same apple. It was cut at the same time. They were removed at the same time. And they're all in my hand at the same time. But if I were to take these seeds and plant them today at the same time, here's what's different. Cut at the same time, pulled out at the same time, sown at the same time, but each seed has its individual time. Every seed has its own season. I can sow them at the same time but not reap the harvest of each seed at the same time. Listen to me. Because some of you have seeds of promise. And some of you would say, we got saved at the same time. How is it that we got hired at the same time? And you got promoted before I did. We did this at the same time. We were here at the same time. But every seed has its own season. And we don't get to dictate when the harvest of that season comes. The due season, we love it. In due season, you will reap the harvest. Well, the due season is God's season. And it's the season that he dictates and determines. 
Because one sows, another waters, but God gives the increase. And he knows when to bring the increase, when it's the right time, it's the appointed time, and it's the fullness of time to bring the increase. Genesis said it like this, as long as the earth remains, there will be seed, time, and harvest. Between seed sown, harvest reap, there is time. And guess what? You can't get weary in the time. Your seed has its harvest. Your seed has its season. And maybe it's the seed that you've sown toward a career, toward, toward a business. Maybe it's the seed of the Word of God in a child or children that are working on their testimony. I dare believe the Bible that it says, as a man sowed, that shall he reap. That if you sow, you shall reap. God is not a man. He will not be mocked. But just like Jesus was the seed, he was sown into the earth by God Almighty. And the scripture said, in the fullness of time, God waited to the right time. Here, are you ready? Because when it's your time, it will bring God the most glory. It will bring you the most blessing. And it will devastate the devil the greatest. But we have to be willing to wait on our time. Here it is. It's patience. Patience. Faith and patience. The Bible said, and you will possess the promise. I know I'm not running and shouting today, but, but, but I'm telling what I'm doing today is helping you understand how this stuff works because we get impatient and the enemy knows it and he manipulates to get us frustrated and discouraged in life because I don't want you to throw in the towel before it's too late because God has some things that, that are waiting on you if you'll wait on him. Hear me, I'm almost done. Because here's the, here's the danger is impatience. Getting before God. Remember when, Ab when God told Abram, Sarah, he said at the appointed time. But we know the story. Sarah got tired of waiting. Look at my body. You think this, at this age, going to produce anything? Look how much time is gone. God's forgotten. He's forsaken. Look at our conditions. If I was younger, this could happen. Hmm. I'm about to preach to somebody in a minute. If I was younger, this could happen. I'm too old now. I, I get sick of the enemy's lies. Two lies that he tells people. You're too young and you're too old. But what God was saying, when I have appointed you a seed and a time, it's not dictated and determined by the times, nor the circumstances that you're in, or whether or not you have the physicality or the ability to do it. Because if I speak to you and say, go back to school at 55 because I got a purpose for you, don't look at me and say, I'm too old for that. Follow God and do what God says because on the other side of that obedience is a great promise that he wants to fulfill. I am for you. I am with you. Don't look at yourself and say, I don't have what it takes. Don't look at yourself and say, I'm too old or too young or I didn't come from here. I didn't come from there. I didn't have those parents. I didn't have these parents. I didn't have this amount of money. I don't have that. It does not matter. When God gives you a seed and a promise and tell you he will do it, no devil in hell can stop it. You have to believe it. And in the process of time, your harvest will come. Listen to me. It's the preparation of patience. Grapes must be crushed to make wine. Diamonds form under pressure. Olives are pressed to release oil. And seeds grow in the dark. It's the process that prepares us. What God is doing in you is greater than what he, you want him to bring to you. Because watch this. 
God's more concerned with our character than he is our comfort. Develop potential without character doesn't glorify God at all. Last but not least, as you stand to your feet, one of the things the scripture said is this right here. That waiting on God is a distinctive mark of God's people on earth. What do you mean? And please, this is not the time to leave. Please don't do that. Waiting is a distinctive mark of God's people on earth. Philippians 3.20 says this, We are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. And we are eagerly waiting for his return as Savior. He will take our weak mortal bodies and change them to glorious bodies like his own, using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control. You know what he said for us? Watch this. Is that when I'm God's people, and I'm his chosen, and I'm his church, he said a distinctive mark that marks the followers of Christ is that we are eagerly waiting on the return of Jesus Christ. And one translation says we're on the edge, tiptoes and on edge, waiting on Jesus to return. Does anybody still believe that Jesus is coming back? Does anybody still believe that the eastern sky at some day is going to split? Does anybody still believe? Come on, somebody. Come on. Come on. Come on. That he's going to descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. And though, come on, those that are alive and remain, come on, that are dead are going to be called up first. And those that are alive and remain shall be called up and meet with him. Does anybody still believe the Bible? But watch this. It doesn't mean that I'm waiting with my bags packed. It doesn't mean I'm sitting here going, just come, Jesus, just come. Lord, just come on back. Just come on back. Just come on back. We ain't coming back till he get ready to come back. Pray it all you want to. It's in his timing. Why is that important? Because you and I got work to do. Waiting eagerly is waiting diligently being about our father's business. I told you last week, I'm going to give it to you. Three people that Jesus talked about, types of people in parables that he marked that will be part of the end times. He talked about the wicked servant and the faithful servant. He talked about the foolish and the, and the, the, the wise and the foolish virgins. And he talked about the talents. Go back and check me. Matthew 24 and 25. There's a common theme with them. You'll read right over it. The Bible said the reason why there was a, a wicked servant is because he said this, the master is long returning. He said because he's not coming yet, the Bible said he began to beat his servants, he began to get drunk and start partying, acting a fool. The foolish, the Bible said this, because the Lord was long coming. The Bible said, uh, I got time to sleep and slumber. The Bible said, as a result, sleeping and slumber, they had no oil for their lamps. And the one with the talent, the one guy that received one talent, he said this, the Bible said, after a long time, the Lord returned, finding him a wicked servant because he said he buried what he had. And he said, Lord, I knew you were a hard man. So I just buried it. I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything with the gift you gave me. I didn't do anything with the talent you gave me. I didn't do anything. And let me tell you, let me just destroy a lie of the devil. Just because you don't have what somebody else have don't mean there's not nothing that you can do. Everybody don't have the same thing, had been graced the same way, empowered the same way. But if God have put one talent in you, it's enough potential and power to work that, to bring forth his purpose in your life and in this earth. And what I'm trying to show you is this, the one thing that was common, they all gave up on waiting. And they missed out. For some of them, they said, because he's not, he's long waiting. I'm going to live like, like I want to. I'm going to party like I want to. 
I'm going to go crazy like I got plenty of time. But, but what it's teaching us is that everything that God has given you and I right now, as we're eagerly waiting, we should be using to advance the kingdom of God like never before. In church, wow, do we have an opportunity in the day and time that we're living in. People are hurt. People are lost. People are broken. People are confused. People are deceived. People are crying out left and right. We can't be so caught up in the fool and the junk of the world that we forget our calling as the body of Christ to wait on his return. But while we're waiting, I'm going to use my influence. I'm going to use my talent. I'm going to use my gift. I'm going to use my money. I'm going to use everything I am to get people to Jesus. That's our assignment as the church. Have we forgot? Have we forgot? I feel a compelling this morning to tell every one of us, let's not just wait around. But God has given us an opportunity as a church and a people to reach people like never before. He's coming back. And we have the privilege to use what he put inside of us. I don't know, but you got something. Don't bury it. Don't sit back and say, I'll wait. I'm waiting on the Lord to speak to me and see he's speaking to you right now. Anybody that God called and used, they were busy already doing something. What are you doing? We're just waiting. No. God's people have a distinctive mark of waiting. But that waiting is not just going through the motions. It's right now. We're doing everything we can to live a life that pleases him and reach people who are lost and hurting. Because Peter said this. I'm going to read it to you and I'm closing. I'm going to pray for you. I'm done. This is my final closing for real, for real. Somebody said, well, I've been waiting. You keep waiting. That's what the whole thing is about right now. Need some patience. Ishmael. The promise, listen to this, 2 Peter 3 and 9. The promise of his return. Listen to this. God isn't late with his promise. As some measure lateness. He is restraining himself. Listen to this. This is your Bible. Oh, they got it up. He is restraining himself on the account of you. Holding back the end. Because he doesn't want anyone lost. He's given everyone a space and a time to change. He said, I'm not, I'm not holding back just to be holding back. I'm not waiting just to be waiting. I know some are praying, come Lord Jesus, come. I pray it too. <laughs> but he says, I'm not holding back for nothing. I'm waiting on you. And I'm waiting and giving people space, time to change. But there's a thin line between God's mercy and God's wrath. I know he's loving and I know he's kind. But the Bible said, behold the goodness and the severity of the Lord. He's loving, but there is judgment is real. We want to hear that stuff today. But my question is, what are we doing with our weight? What are you doing with your weight? What are we doing? What are you doing? Can you honestly say, I'm making a contribution to advance the kingdom in some type of way other than just coming to church? I know that's tough, but I'm, I'm challenged because my heart is burdened, and I know many of you, yours are. And I know God is looking for a remnant that he can raise up for such a time as this. He always has a remnant. Why not us? Every head bow and every eye close. If you're in this room and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, what are you waiting on? Why are you waiting? Tomorrow's not promised. The next five minutes is not promised. And you might even say, yeah, my grandma and them have been talking about Jesus coming for a long time. And it's been years. He hadn't come yet. I don't know if I believe that or not. 
It's a foolish way to live life. He could come back today. He could come back before this service ends. And the question is, are you ready if he were to come back right now? If death were to knock on your door right now, are you ready? I'm not asking you, are you religious? I'm asking you, are you ready to meet Jesus Christ right now? If this was your time. If not, he's been waiting on you. See, waiting is mutual. The Bible said the Lord will, will wait on you. He's waiting to be compassionate to you. I'm waiting on God, but God said, no, I'm waiting on you. I'm waiting on you to surrender. I'm waiting on you to commit your life. I'm waiting to show compassion. And right now, compassion is here. The love of God that says, I want to forgive you. I want to wash you. I want to cleanse you. I want to give you new life in me. But you have to accept him as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you've backslid. Maybe you've fallen away. And you said, I'm just waiting for the right time. This is the right time. Today is the day. Now is the time for salvation. When I count to three, if that's you, I just want you to raise your hand and acknowledge it. Number one, if you say, Javon, I feel the touch of God. Number two, I sense the pulling of the Holy Spirit. And I know I've been holding out and I've been waiting. But today is time. For me to quit waiting and move toward him. Three, if that's you right where you're standing, just raise your hand up boldly. Raise it up boldly and I want to pray for you. Anybody? Raise it up. Raise it up how I want to see it. Anybody? Yes, sir. That's all right. I see that hand. Anybody else? That's all right. Unashamedly. I saw it. Praise God. I see that hand. Yep, yep. Anybody else? Anybody else? Anybody else? Unashamedly. I'll wait on you. Unashamedly. We're going to do something. I want every one of you, normally I would call you down, but I'm not going to do it today. We're going to pray right where you pray because I'm going to pray a prayer over every single one of us. Because this prayer, I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to each and every one of you, what am I supposed to be doing while I'm waiting? What's my assignment in my wait? Because I believe there's more in all of us to do and accomplish for His glory. But every one of you that raised your hand, there was a few people that raised your hand. We're going to join you in this prayer. Every one of us has a big church family. You know how we do it. I want you to join me in this prayer with them. Say, Lord Jesus, I surrender my life. Forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me and wash me in your blood. I believe that you are the son of God. And I believe that you died and rose again. And I believe that by faith I am forgiven in Jesus name amen amen and amen every one of you at the end of this service I want you to go straight out to our information desk everyone that raised their hand and tell them you prayed that prayer they have uh, some information they want to give to you and we want to get you connected and part of the family but every one of you raise your hands right now in this church service. Every one of you, I'm going to pray a prayer over every one of you right now. Raise your hand up high before I bless you. Father, in the name of Jesus, you see every hand that is here this morning. Father, I thank you that every hand represents at least one talent, at least one gift, at least one call and one purpose that you put in each and every one of us. And in the name of Jesus, I pray, God, that it will not lie dormant in the name of Jesus. I pray, God, that you would resurrect any, in any dreams or, or visions, oh God, that have fallen by the wayside. And I pray that you would stir up the gift of God and the calling of God and the passion of God and all of our hearts today, Father. Lord, I pray that while we're waiting, that you would reveal to every single person and every single family their assignment for such a time is this to be instruments to be witnesses to be oh God carriers of your presence father God to yield themselves to the will of God and to the kingdom of God to be used by you oh God to reach people and shed forth the light of your truth in a world that is hurting in a world that is looking for hopes and answers make us the biggest hope dealers in Spartanburg County with the love of Jesus Christ give us a boldness to witness again. Give us a boldness to love and be compassionate again. Give us a desire
desire and hunger, God, to use everything that you've entrusted us with. Help us to be good stewards, God. In the name of Jesus, I pray that talent that has been buried to be dug up in Jesus' mighty name, it will no longer lie dormant, it will no longer lie unused, but God, today, stir afresh in the hearts of your people and use us like never before in our families, in our city, in our community, in our schools, in our businesses, oh God, to be the light of the world, the salt of the earth, and beacons of hope, Father God. I declare it over every one of us, oh God. Set us up with divine opportunities to share the love of Christ with people like never before. As we are eagerly waiting, I declare we will be diligently serving and advancing your kingdom. If you receive that today, give Jesus a great big shout of praise. Now let me bless you. Don't forget, worship the Lord with your giving today. You can text online, you can give in the lobby, however you need to do that. Thank you for honoring Him and worshiping Him with your giving. But right now, raise your hand one more time. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift His countenance upon you, make His face shine upon you, and may the Lord give you peace. I just declare the favor and the blessing of the goodness of God over you in Jesus' mighty name. Go in the name of the Lord, and we'll see you back next week. Next week, we'll be back. Pastor Franklin will be speaking next week on um, our video. And then the following week, the 31st, I'll be back live again, preaching live again. And we're going to jump into something new. And we'll be teaching weeks after that. Amen. God bless you. For more information about this message or to join us at one of our live services at Free Chapel Spartanburg, visit freechapel.org Spartanburg. Thank you for listening, and we look forward to seeing you soon at Free Chapel Spartanburg.